the Bible is the New King James and the readings from James. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. May God bless the reading to us. Okay. So James chapter 5, verses 7 to 12. Um, the book of James was written about 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus, and they were expecting Jesus to return any time. And James is encouraging them to keep their focus. The body, the church, is suffering from economic pressure and oppression, and it's as though they were beginning to sink under it. He's encouraging them to pull together, to unite and help each other, or sink under the swell and pull of the world. Not that different today, is it? He reminds them to endure because the Lord's return is near. Was he wrong? I don't think so, because Jesus taught that life on this earth needs to be lived with the expectation of his return. And with that in mind, it should influence the way we live and our attitudes to each other. James tells the church to watch their thoughts towards each other and not to grumble about brothers and sisters. He speaks of patient endurance through trials. And I wonder if we can identify with that and how we're doing. How patient are you feeling this morning over whatever you're facing? We live in such a push-button world, don't we? A sort of microwave society. And it's so easy to get caught up in that stress and that pressure that it can bring. But often, whatever trial we are going through, it's more like being in a slow cook where the Lord uses circumstances to slowly change us as we allow him to help and shape us as both a church body and as individuals. It's like a little bit of carrot or disappointment goes in. And then there's perhaps a slice of onion for endurance. And then maybe a tiny bit of garlic to flavour the whole meal. 
In verse 10, James refers to the prophets who suffered so much as they prophesied. And that got me thinking about all the prophecies that were given concerning the birth of Jesus. As I read through some of the readings for Advent, it struck me that there seems to be such a time of waiting for God's people. The prophets faithfully gave God's message about the Messiah being born. Zechariah and Elizabeth had to wait many years before the birth of John. Mary had to wait for the fulfillment of the word the angel Gabriel gave her. The Magi had studied the stars and knew something was imminent, but had to wait for the confirmation to go to Bethlehem. Time and time again, right through the Bible, people are waiting. And God says, wait. And perhaps that's what he's saying to some of us today. Wait. And it can be so hard. So hard. Um, I've talked before about our dog. Um, she wasn't really very well behaved. We did try to train her, but probably we're not very well behaved either. Um, and, but if I said wait to her, I knew I couldn't say it once. It had to be said more than once. So I would say, wait, wait, wait. And she'd keep her eyes fixed on me, ready to go, but not going. And sometimes then she just couldn't help herself and she'd be off by a, like a bullet, which actually was too, too soon and was actually dangerous. And we can be a bit like that, can't we? We get fed up with waiting for what God has told us he wants to do or will do. We get impatient in life for the things that we've prayed for, but seemingly there's no answer. But God knows exactly what's best for us and how he can use those circumstances. What do we do when things we've waited and waited for don't seem to get answered? How do we deal with that? Many of you knew that, no, that I waited, we waited years and years to have a child and um, really waited and believed. But it didn't happen. Did that change the way my, I viewed my God? No, not in the slightest, because he's able to use disappointment to shape and mould us. And my life, our life, we are incredibly fulfilled and satisfied. Andrea was reminding me of the word wait in Hebrew. The definition means to tie together by twisting or wrap together. And that's what we need to do when we're waiting. Hold on tightly to Jesus as he holds us close. In verse 11, James reminds us about Job who endured through tragic circumstances. And the verse speaks about him being blessed because he endured. Perhaps that's what you need to know this morning, that God will bless you as you endure through whatever trial you're going through. Maybe we need a fresh touch of the Lord to help us. Um, and it says in that reading that when we endure, we receive God's compassion and mercy. Maybe we need that this morning to see us through a fresh touch of the Lord saying to you, 
I'm, I care about you, I'm concerned for you, and I'm with you. And if you are in that place, please remember there is always prayer on offer. Don't be tight-lipped and strong. Don't be British. Because you'll miss out on the Lord's blessing and encouragement. He can restore and refresh us through hard times. Because of, the, because of sort of dwelling on this reading from um, James, I became aware of farmers and it made me much more alert to what was going on and I was out for my walk and um, I was noticing a crop of kale and I was thinking about all the planning that a farmer has to do, all the, all the waiting, all the watching, um, ploughing, sowing, looking for the first shoot to appear and then keeping the birds off. Um, and then later on in that, uh, that day, I was up in the garden and it was late afternoon, so it was getting dark. And the sky was spectacular. There was this sort of beautiful, dark evening light and then this golden, golden colour. And I just, I just thought, what if the Lord came now? What if he came now? How would I feel? What would I do? As if there's anything I could do, because the Bible says very clearly, he'll come when we least expect him. We simply need to be ready. And the dictionary says that the adjective for ready is in a suitable state for action, fully prepared. A bit like my dog. She was waiting, but she was fully prepared to go. That, again, gets my attention. Am I ready for the Lord's return? How should I be living? It's very challenging stuff. It really sort of stirred me. And, you know, I was, I, as I was standing in the garden, I could see the traffic on the A303 in the distance, and I could hear it. And as I looked at the sky, I thought of all the people going about their everyday life with no thought, no understanding of the fact that one day, life as we know it will come to a close. I wonder, does that stir you? Does that stir in your heart? Does it make you sit up? The one thing we know as Christians is that we don't need to fear because we know the Lord Jesus and we know that he holds our life in his hands. And if you don't know that, talk to somebody and they'll talk to you and tell you how you can know the Lord Jesus and you can know that peace and that reassurance that he's holding the future. He is the one who commands our destiny. So if we've asked him to come into our lives, he's walking with us every step we take and will take care of us as we look for him. It's so easy to get distracted by the things of the world, isn't it? But this world isn't our home. I'm going to start singing in a minute, Adrian. We're just a passing through. Um, and just as there is a beginning, there will be an end when we see the Lord face to face. And I'm very aware, I was chatting to a friend recently, and she used to get very anxious about the thought of the return of Jesus. And I, I really understand that, because this is all we know. We understand the biblical side of things, but, but we're living here. So it, it can cause fear for some people. 
But if you have faith in him, you don't need to fear, but raise your eyes above that fear to the one who loves you completely and totally. He is the one to look to. He is the one we can trust completely. He saved us, died for us, and he's with us. I talked earlier with the children about names um, and how the fact that one of the names given to Jesus is Emmanuel, which translates as God with us. He's with us. He already knows our name and he loves us unconditionally. He says, do not fear, I am with you. He might come back for us today. He might come back for us tomorrow, next week, or in a hundred years from now. And we might think, why is he taking so long? In Peter's second letter, he speaks about the day of the Lord. In chapter 3, he writes, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He desperately loves his creation. He desperately loves us. And how it must break his heart to see what we're doing to each other and his world. But the Bible also says he's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. When we surrender to his love, it transforms the way we see people as we see a broken society in need of hope. God, our God, chose us to be on this planet for such a time as this. He is in control and has given us everything we need to serve him in this generation. You are not a mistake. We are part of his plan and he asks us to take him into a broken, hurting world. And this time we aren't being asked to wait, but encouraged and commanded to take Jesus to wherever he places us and to, to whoever he leads us to. So let's go from here with a fresh sense of his return and let that change our thoughts and attitudes to whatever we're waiting for. We don't know what 2023 holds for us, and we're living in really unsettling days, aren't we? Strange days, days where everything in the world seems to be being shaken. But our God is faithful and totally dependable upon. As Corrie Ten Boom said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Do you know God? You can know him in the person of Jesus. Are you searching for him? You can find him in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the exact representation of God the Father with all his characteristics of compassion, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and the list goes on and on. Our God is faithful and true. 
So as we begin to look to 2023, it's not that far off. 22, whoops. Somebody's on the ball, I'll give you a chockey later. Um, as we begin to look, forward, I'm racing ahead. <laughs> um, to 2022, um, let's, let's put our hands into the God we know and trust him with the future. He's well able to take care of all our worries, all our concerns, all our loved ones, those we're waiting for, those we've been patiently praying for. God knows about it. He's bigger, much, much bigger. And he's working his purposes out in his way. We need to trust that he's got that loved one or that situation in his hands and his ways are not our ways. He'll bring the right people along at the right time. So often we have to release our loved ones at the foot of the cross and trust that God will bring, bring about his plans and his purposes because he's the faithful God. And he is Emmanuel, God with 